Welcome to Arise Life, a community of believers being equipped, empowered, and released into their destiny. For more information, go to arisealife.org or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Anybody here faced a battle, gotten victory, and then faced another battle in that same area? If you haven't, you haven't been alive or never gotten a a breakthrough, right? Either of those. Just because you have to fight the battle again does not deny the victory you experienced the first time. Okay? The same way... All right, I'm about to give you a trick here about how not to get tricked by the tricks, okay, of the trickster. You ready? Okay, this is big. Galatians, he says, who bewitched you, who tricked you, foolish Galatians, that having begun in grace, you're now trying to perfect yourself in works. Now, here's how you get tricked. You ready? Because you get a breakthrough in an area, and when it comes back, you're like, well, grace was good the first time, now I need a trick. Nobody tracking with me? You know what I'm talking about? It was grace the first time, but apparently didn't stick. So I need to switch over to works. And this person over here has a technique. This person did this, and they got healed. This person did this, and their finances got, you know? They, they anointed their wallet in oil and, until, like, all the money was rubbery. I don't know. No, but, but listen, let me tell you. Like, God moves. Like, I, again, I can't say this enough. We love tricks and techniques. Who are my people? Why? Because I don't have to trust anybody. I don't have to make myself vulnerable. And I get to choose where I risk. Let me tell you, if God's leading you, you don't get to choose where you risk. Okay? He is going to lead you. So the, the fascinating thing is, I love this, everybody scours the Bible for techniques, and you, the internet is full of people. They're like, well, if you read this passage and you do this thing, and you'll get this result. I haven't seen anybody ever try to do that with the man who was blind and that Jesus took mud and spit and rubbed it in their eye. I've never seen anybody. I'll go for that. I have never seen a single video online on how if you take mud and spit, you can rub it in somebody's eye, they'll get healed. Why do you think that is? Because God doesn't repeat himself. He invites us into vulnerability. He invites us and it's awkward and it's painful. But listen, if you you won by faith the first time, if you won by grace the second time, don't change the subject. Don't go back and go... Sorry, that's free word. All right. Man, we, we're, okay. Burn on Friday. Worship this morning. <laughs> There's that great song, This is How We Fight Our Battles. If you want to fight them in your own strength, go for it. I can't. I want to bring the things that have held me hostage to the feet of Jesus and let him win them. So as we were praying, as we were worshiping, uh, as we were bringing our crowns, I saw this image. You ever see something just in your heart and you're like, I'm not even sure if that's biblical or literal or whatever. It's okay. You just keep asking Jesus. He'll give you confirmation. And, And I was sitting there and I saw this image of Jesus and his crown was the ugliest crown I've ever seen. It was all glumpy and it was dark and gray and 
And I was like, what is that? And as I looked closer, I saw like people coming forward and laying their chains at the feet of Jesus. And it was come into his crown. That his crown was our chains. And I said, Jesus, I've only seen you with golden crowns. And a terry cloth bathrobe. <laughs> and then he reminded me the only crown he's ever been crowned with is that of thorns. Which the thorns, if you remember, what is it? The thorns are the sign of the curse. He took the curse upon him. And there is no higher privilege he has than to wear our chains. And when we may crown him Lord, it's when we take the things that have held us hostage, that we have crowned as Lord in our lives, and we give them to Jesus and make him Lord. I love it. It's so funny. Masha and I, uh, I guess on Thursday, we really had a strong leading about what this week, what, what was going to happen today, uh, at least as far as the message. And then yesterday, we were like, what was that again? And then I got it, got it, but I was like, I still don't see the whole of it. And the reason I didn't see the whole of it is because I didn't see what we would be doing. See, see, the reason why you keep looking to figure out your destiny and your purpose is because you can't see what other people are doing. Because other people are part of your destiny and calling. And you can't create a system, an identity, and a destiny that happens without other people. And you can't control them either. Who are my people? You've got like the 12-month plan. You've got to lay it out. Yeah, good luck with that. No, in fact, the reality is I didn't know what would happen when worship began. I didn't know how we would respond. And we were like, well, if you could be prophetic, you could figure all that out. By the way, Jesus is not going to give you information ahead of time that will allow you to protect your heart and to self-protect and figure everything out. He's going to leave you in a vulnerable place. Why? Because his power flows through vulnerability. Well, I don't want to need anybody. Who are my people? Because people stink. People fail you. If you go it alone, you die alone. All right. The fascinating thing that we felt like is God's not done with the story of Gideon, but we're coming around to the beginning. Here's why. Guys, we heard, we've gone through this story of Gideon, how Gideon, you know, the land of Israel was completely ravaged by invaders. And God and, and Gideon was a bad farmer. He was, doing, he was doing the best he can with the little he had. Who are my people? You ain't got nothing, but you're doing what you can with what you got. Barely making it. And there he is. And in that place, it said that, that the people were, were tormented so long that they finally did the unthinkable. They called out to Jesus. How long does it take you to suffer till you call out to Jesus? We all have different areas, right? We have some areas where we're like, I do it instantaneous because I ain't got no hope. Right? But then there are other areas where we're like, I'm pretty good at that. Right? But in fact, seven years, they finally go, God! And God goes, I, you are here because you invited them here. You invited the invaders into your life. Whew. But God didn't just rub their nose in it. He said, I'm on it. And he went over and he found Gideon. Now, here's my question. How many people did God have to go to until he got somebody to actually respond? We don't know. We don't know. 
It's interesting, one of the things Reinhard Bonnke said, when people said, you will have the greatest crown in history for all the people you've led to the Lord, he said, well, I don't know about that. God told me that I was the third guy he came to offer that to. (laughs) But Gideon was dumb enough to say yes. But there's that interesting interchange with Gideon and the angel. The angel comes up to him and says, so Gideon has been complaining, obviously, for years about how bad the state in the U.S., I'm sorry, Israel is. And how somebody ought to do something about it. And God's not doing anything. And God shows up and says, I've heard your cry. I've got a seven-point plan. Is that what God does? God shows up and he says what? Behold, mighty man of God. Anybody see a problem with the bad farmer hiding in a hole, threshing grain in a wine vat, who's ticked off at God? You know how ticked off you are at God doesn't disqualify you from hearing him or getting a chance to respond to him. But you will have to step over your ticked offness. But there's this interesting thing I've realized is God doesn't talk to how ticked off he is at everything in Israel. God doesn't, God doesn't speak to, uh, he doesn't speak to the fact that he is just a complete loser. What does he start with? What, what does he start with? He starts with who God made him to be, the true identity. You know, we have this, this thought. You, you want to take it away, baby? Um, I can hold it. Okay, you. all right. So, so one of the interesting things is this is just a word picture. So what does, how does, um, when the angel shows up, how does, um, what does Gideon want to talk to him about? Do you guys remember? What is the first thing he opens with? Who remembers? Where were you, God? Oh, Where, sorry. Mm-hmm. Are you really God? Did, are, if you're really God, where have you been? What's, he starts out with what's wrong in Israel, everything else. So he fronts all the political ch- ch- um, chatter, right? He does, not, he does not engage him personally. He's like, well, this is wrong with society. Who are my people? You are really good at like that level of conversation, Right. Like to dissect the, you know, what's wrong with the government? What's wrong with the education system? What's wrong right? with the HOA? <laughs> Just whatever, whatever the thing is, right? So he fronts the stuff that, you know, out he there. out there, right? So I'm a political activist. So all of us, I think, um, have some kind of a front, right? That we try to front and we try to show people, right? Um, so a lot of times it's that it's the where we connect on whatever it is. Yeah. You know, yeah. Whatever we're whatever we're good at or whatever we're interested at, and so that's the outer box. That's not vulnerable. It's not real, um, but it's out there. It's like where we, um, you know, where we allow people. Does that make sense? And you so, notice you notice how it's held together tightly, because you know the worst thing about it. Is stuff inside squeezes out. <laughs> so, yeah. So this box is the front, right? Is the kind of the outer shell is how we interact with the world and how would we allow people to see. Then 
as the angel kind of uh, pushes a little deeper with Gideon, what kind of stuff does he start speaking about himself already? I'm the least. I am I'm pathetic. I'm a loser. So that's the next. Um, is it all true? Well, I mean, he the it's least real. In his family? He is the least, right, of the tribes, the least of the family. So there is a lot of different um, layers. layers. Who wants? Uh, maybe a couple, um, couple of our middle schoolers can come help us, um, like dig this out. Come on. Yeah, come, come on. on. All right, come on. Thank you. Come on. All right, here, go ahead. Yeah. And here, take take a, the red layer. Yeah. Off. So come he's. On. I mean, there's lots of layers of things that are true. Small t, right? So it might be true about you that you are divorced or that you are in bankruptcy or whatever it has not worked out, right? Or that you are sick, but it's, or whatever, whatever the lies you are believing about yourself, right? They feel very true. So, but as, as um, Gideon is real with this, right? God does, notice God doesn't engage it, does he? But he doesn't move either because the presence of God burns through all that stuff. So keep digging, keep digging. <laughs> to the diamond of who Gideon was always made to be. See, the reality is you have never not been you, but you've been covered up by the lies you and I have believed. We are covered up by the, the, the pain and the hurt, the dung. We think those things marred who he made us to be, but you can't mar a diamond. So underneath all of that, the being the least, the schmuck, the person sitting in the, um, you know, trying to do wheat in the wine press, who is Gideon really? What is the diamond? What does the angel say? Who is he? Who remembers? Mighty warrior, mighty man of valor, right? Was he mighty man of valor underneath all of that stuff? Because God doesn't Since lie. the beginning of eternity, right? And I want to say that whatever our front is, whatever our box is, and whatever then those layers that we actually hide that are lies that we believe about ourselves, which are not very original. I'm sorry about this. <laughs> like, my lies are not very special, and your lies are not very special. Like, he's very, um, the enemy is not very creative. So the lies I believe about myself is I'm not enough. Who are my people who believe that about themselves? Let's just, right? You're not, I'm not enough. Like, wherever I look, not enough. What other lies? Shout them out. I, I, I deserved I it, that. yep. Mm -hmm. I dug my own grave. Wow. Everyone Nobody else is has like, lies? Oh my gosh. Wow. I feel all alone. <laughs> I'm an impossible I'm powerless. I'm powerless and alone. Who's, who's battled that lie? Yeah. yeah. Big time, right? I'm set up to fail. I'm no good at this. By the way, okay, what was, he was, what we always say this, he was a bad what? farmer, right? Because you don't try to thresh wheat in a wine press. That's not how it works. I mean, I'm not a genius, but I know a few things. But there's a reason, but it didn't work. Mm -hmm. See, that's the problem. 
Some of us, we're so bad at what we're doing because we're doing not what we're supposed to be doing, but we're doing the little that we think we can do on our own. He's a bad farmer because he's not supposed to be a farmer. He's a mighty man of valor. He's actually a warrior. Yeah, man. You know, I mean, can you imagine? <laughs> imagine Rambo, mo, uh, you know, uh, trying to uh, plow a field. And he's like, <laughs> <laughs> like, like, I mean, I'm sorry. I don't want the field. When Rambo's done, it's just so. <laughs> you wanted everything destroyed, right? No, we were going to harvest that. If you guys want to pass around the diamond and just as you are passing it around, as you're looking at it. Think about yourself. Just think about what is the diamond? What is that identity that Jesus is actually speaking over you? Who is he actually calling you? Because I want to submit that every one of us is that diamond. Come on. Our true identity is the real us is there. It might be really covered up, really hard to see, but it's there. Yeah. Pressure. pressure. Makes that, okay, come on. So some of the pressure we're experiencing, having that, those lies fly off, right? Yeah, it, the pressure will rip off the things and reveal what was always beneath. You know, when they find a diamond, it's encrusted in coal. But they break, they, the pressure that hits is enough to destroy the coal, but reveals the diamond. Yeah. I feel like what Jesus was doing in worship, that was just such a mine. <laughs> such a mine, right? He was like breaking off the dark things that have attached to us and revealing the real. Come on. Like, I feel like that's what he's doing this morning. Is like all of this stuff that's just been swirling and where we've been believing that that's real me. It's falling off right now. And so many of us are waking up and like, oh my word, I am like have a completely different name. Like the inside of me, the core of me is real and pure. And Jesus is speaking over it. He's given it a name. Come on. So when we encounter God and who he says we are, we are faced with a choice. The choice is, Worship God and believe what he said to be true or keep doing it the way we've been doing it with diminishing returns. And the reality is, what does he do? What does he do? If you got, if you got Bibles, chapter 6, you can just open it up. He says this. He says, because the Lord answers after he's brought up all of his problems. He said, I will be with you, verse 16. And you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. And Gideon replied, if uh, now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that this is really you talking to me. Talked about this. Give me a sign. Because if I'm going to be brave enough to dare to believe that this diamond is really real and not some fantasy of my, my, my imagination, I need a sign. Why? Because I, this is huge. This is 180 degrees from the way I've been living my entire life thus far. He says this, he says, if I found sign, please do not go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. The Lord said, I will wait until you return. And Gideon went inside, prepared a young goat, 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 a, it's a goat cold, I guess. Anyway, a young goat and from an ephah, that's about 36 pounds of flour, he made bread without yeast. Now, goats and wheat flour are what? 
They are the produce of a farmer. What does he have to bring? The, all the good that, that he had gathered as a bad farmer. That's all he got to bring. And he brings it before God. And what does God do with the gift that he brings? Verse 20, the angel of the Lord said, take the meat and the unleavened bread and place them on this rock and pour out the broth on it. And Gideon did so. And then the angel of the Lord touched the meat and the unleavened bread with the tip of his staff that was in his hand and fire flared from the rock, consuming the meat and the bread and the angel of the Lord disappeared. What happened to all of his good stuff that he gathered as a bad farmer? Burned up. What had he been trusting in as a bad farmer? Sometimes our golden parachute is what keeps us from saying yes to Jesus. When Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, in other words, the face of God, literally God, he exclaimed, Alas, sovereign Lord, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, Peace, do not be afraid, you're not going to die. Now stay with me. He was hearing the voice of the Lord externally, but when he did, he laid down his farmerdom, what happened is God pierced his heart and he now hears him on the inside. This morning, you're hearing God on the outside, but you're going to walk out there and hear him on the inside because that's how you have to walk with him. So, so one of the things I want to say is for many of us coming here, with our crowns was that moment, just like Gideon, bringing our crowns before God and saying, I can't, I can't. I'm not going to trust in my brokenness, my self-protection. I'm not going to trust in my fear. I'm not going to trust in my brokenness. I'm not going to trust in my addiction. Because one of the lies that the world sells us is you can have it all. Anybody know, know, drunk from that lie? Can, let me ask you a question. Can I date other women and be married to Masha? Some of you hesitated. Please do not. That's just, some of you are, huh, huh? no, no. I cannot have the best woman in the world, sorry ladies, and have access to other people like that. I cannot pursue God, the call of God on my life with passion and vigor when I'm still dithering over here with that. I remember in the middle of COVID, anybody explored uh, your options in COVID for stupidity? Nobody? Okay. Um, so during COVID, because there was nothing to do, theoretically, I fell into this habit of we would have a night, uh, evening party of lots of yummy food and Netflix, who are my people. I remember one morning I woke up and I was looking forward to the party, but not the day. And I was like, oh, that's a problem. When the point of your life is to escape your life, you have a problem. You were not made to escape this life. You were meant to be more than conquerors through him who loves us. And so one of the things that happened is when we lay those things at the feet of Jesus, he will take them, he will consume them. <gasps> But what do I do when I've laid aside my own comfort, my ability to comfort myself, my ability to hide, whatever it is? What? Anybody here, you've given everything to Jesus, and then you're like, oops. Um, 
Notice God doesn't give it like, mm, 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 no, no backsies. No, mm, mm, no, not coming back, right? It's all gone. He's like, well, I guess we're in. But then there's the next step. And that's what I want to talk about today. Because if you guys remember at the end of, uh, at the beginning of this year, I shared something that I felt like is a kind of a guiding uh, picture of this year for us as a body. If we could pull up the 2024 picture. I felt like there were four words that the Lord gave me over this year. And the first was for the number two was fire. Second, rain. Third, flood. And the fourth, harvest. And if you're interested, I've got sheets out there in the lobby. You can look at the, what's under those. But for each of those, God gave me a whole series of words connected to that first one. And so let's look at fire because what I feel like is this is going to overshadow for us as a body as we walk together these first three months of the year. And the interesting thing is one of the words that I didn't put on, but Emily brought out in her video this week was prune. Fire. Fire came out of his staff and consumed what was not his portion. He had to surrender what was not his portion. He had to surrender those things. And God sifts. And, he, and he's beginning to build in us his sure foundation. It says that fire will consume whatever is not gold. <laughs> right? Whatever's not of him will be burned up to prepare us, to strengthen us, to plant, to purify, and to prune. You know, he says in John 15, he said, he prunes us so that we might bear more fruit. Anybody here, you're like, but I have something good going on here. Why would I give this up? This is like the only good thing I got going. Anybody been in that place? I don't want to give up. It's like one good thing. But what if that one good thing is blocking the real thing? He prunes it so that you can bear more fruit. If you uh, know anything about grapevines, depending on the vine, the first three to seven years, it will produce fruit every year. But they've designed these, great, these vines to bear such good fruit that if you let the grapes grow to fruition, like fully, they will break the vine. Could it be that, that the things you hear from God that you're supposed to excel at, grow at, be awesome at, literally would kill you? Until he strengthens you to sustain the fruit that he has promised you. He sustains the fruit. And so, so they cut off the grapes before they're fully ripe. Seven years. And then when they come forth, they're rich, they're healthy, and they don't break the vine. The very gift of God will destroy you if it's not constantly surrendered back to God. This very thing. You might have started out as a bad farmer. And now you're like, now I'm just a, a, a weak warrior. But here's the plunder. I'm not going to trust in the victory of last season. I'm not going to trust in the little I've got. Who are my people? You, you used to be suffering horribly financially, but now you've come into a good place. And God goes, okay, I need you to surrender that anew. And you're like, whoa, easy tiger, easy tiger. I've been working very hard just to come to this good place. And an idol is anything I have to check with before I say yes to Jesus. 
And the idol is what I'm trusting to bless me. Are you trusting the blessing to bless you? Are you trusting the one from whom the blessing flows? And so in that place of blessing, you know, he comes and he comes and says, okay, God, I'm all yours. What would you have me do? I'm reading into the text, but we see it played out. Because when I give him my yes, guess what? I don't get to choose where that yes goes, do I? Anybody done that? You're like, off to you, Lord. And he's like, over there. I'm like, where? And what did he start out thinking? He was talking about everything out there. What does God call him to do? You guys remember? You get points. What's the very first thing God tells him to do? Take care of his own house and his own altar. His own altar. What are the things that I've been worshiping instead of him? It's easy to point at the world and go, ah, you can always find somebody to feel better about. Anybody here, you're like feeling bad about yourself and you're like, oh, they're even worse. <laughs> no. It starts at home. It starts at home with me. And whatever the, the reality is, the, re, the way they got into this in the first place is they began to worship the gods of the Amorites and the Midianites and the Amalekites, which were the gods of prosperity. And, he's, and so he had to tear down the idols of prosperity, the idols of Baal and Asherah, and tear down the idols of pleasure. They were also idols of pleasure. I'm going to meet my own needs. Tear them down. And do you know what that did? It put him on a crash course collision with who? His family. Why would me, being obedient to God, put me on a crash collision course with my family. They expected something different. We know you. You do this, right? Okay, I'll just, I'll tell somebody else's story for a second. Nobody here. I was listening uh, on the internet where all wisdom is. And, um, and, and this woman, I don't believe she's a believer, but she was talking to us. Uh, a few years ago, her husband decided to do the uh, dry January. You know, you've drunk your fill over the holidays, and then you're like, I'm going to go without alcohol for January. And she really liked that idea because she didn't like him when he was drunk, right? <laughs> but about day three, she was like, I'll have a glass of wine with dinner. Because, I, I mean, it's his thing, not mine. And she, uh, and, but as she was drinking, she felt really kind of awkward, you know, because he wasn't drinking. So she said, well, would you like a glass of wine? He said, no, I'm good. No, really, really, seriously. He's like, no, I'm good. I'm like, no, it's not a big deal. It's not like it's bourbon or anything. And he said, no, I don't want to drink. But I have a question for you. Why does me not drinking bother you so much? She went. He said, could it be? He said, because I don't care what's in your glass. Why would you think I care? Drink away. But, he said, but could it be what bothers you about my drinking? Maybe you have a question to ask about your own relationship with alcohol. Amen. That makes me not drinking bother you. Amen. Our righteousness, our surrender, our humble surrender, guys. <laughs> easy to, anybody here, you're like, I've been afraid for three minutes, you pagans. <laughs> not that, not that. Not that, our humble deliverance, our humble healing, where I can say, 
you, you, were, you talk with Jesus. But if my righteous behavior th- causes pain and frustration in you, may, when it's all, I mean, and that's what's going to happen when we say yes, it disturbs the apple cart of our relationships. In a good way, because it gives other people opportunity. But I love what, you know, when Jesus was saying, Peter, he was restoring him, right? He says, you know, feed my sheep, follow me, this is going to be good. And, and Peter turns around and says, what about John? What does Jesus say? What is that to you? You follow me. Listen, don't make your obedience about other people. But also, don't let other people dissuade you from your obedience. Don't make your obedience something somebody else has to do. Well, in order for me to follow Jesus, I need you. No. 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 What about yourself? And so what I want to say right now is, here's my question for each of us. Where's our altar? Where's our idols that are standing in the way of what he's called us to do? What is the thing he's putting his finger on? He's saying, because the things that Gideon brought was the fruit of worshiping the idol of prosperity. But then he had to deal with the altar of prosperity. What is that altar that he's saying, I want that? Do that. What is he calling you to do? Because let me just tell you this. Before you go out, you're going to go in. Before you follow him into who he's called you to be in 2023, where we're going to see, uh, 2024, sorry, you guys, I'm still in last year. In 2024, if we're going to go where he's going to take us, and I promise you, small steps very quickly lead to big destinations. So I feel like for us to surrender stuff to God, we have to believe that he is good and that he is for us. Otherwise, it's very abusive. Right? We have, to, we have to settle of what is his character, of what he's actually like, that he has our best, that he has our destiny, that he has us walking in our diamond, that full destiny, us becoming more and more who we are with each step, with each thing we let go. It's not to constrain us. It's not to punish us. It's not to make us less. It's actually for us to explode into his purpose in our lives. Once we start believing that, the process of letting go becomes easier. If we believe that he is not good, that he is somehow is going to hold out on us, that he is somehow just going to take stuff away, then we're not going to trust him. We're going to pretend to trust him, but we will not trust him. Come on. Come on. So a really good question I found to ask is, God, if I do this, can I trust you? Jesus, if I give this to you, what will you give me in return? One of the things I've seen consistently is uh, those of us who've struggled with addictions, addictions fulfill a purpose in our lives. You remove the addiction, you still have the need that God designed for you in the first place. So, but, but the problem is we spent our life thinking our need was for the addiction. So God, what did you give me that need for that you want to fulfill by another means? God is a good father. He doesn't give us needs and desires to torment us, but actually his promises for fulfillment. But he wants to do it in a way that won't break us or destroy us. 
So as the worship team comes, let's just lean in. Let's just lean in and ask Jesus. Where are you? What is the altar you've called me to cut down before I go out? What is the, the thing that's standing in the way of me saying yes to the promise? If we stand, Father, and as, as he lays something on your heart, just say yes. Again, if he puts something in your heart, say, God, what will you give me in return? What, are you, what is your goodness for me in this area? And I believe God will encounter us and will set us free in such a way that we will be launched into 2024 together.